The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. <laughs> Amen. We're just going to wait for the media to pump up the volume a little bit. Okay, there we go. There we go. Well, today we're going to be continuing um, in the series that we started actually on the 1st of January. Well, we started the year with a bang, right? And that um, series we've titled it The Secret Source. And really what we've been learning over the past weeks is really the, the secret source to winning in life. Amen. So let's go quickly to the foundational scripture. Um, and that's in 1 John 5 verse 4. And we're going to read it in the King James and we're also going to read it in the NLT. Amen. So 1 John 5 verse 4, it says this. It says, For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And it says, And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And man, I'm about to issue a spoiler alert, okay? So this is your very first time joining us. Um, we've just told you what the secret source is, okay? So faith is the secret source. You know, faith is what brings victory to overcome the world. Amen. Let's read that scripture in the NLT. I love the translation in the NLT. Um, is it up? Okay, awesome. In the NLT, please. That's 1 John 5, 4 in the NLT. And it says this. It says, for every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory, How? through our faith. And so why I love this translation so much is because I want you to notice one thing. You know, the scripture starts off and it says, for every child of God. Man, that's powerful. Because, you know, it doesn't say some children of God, right? It doesn't say a select few children of God. It doesn't say the highly anointed children of God. It doesn't say the elders of the church defeat this evil world, right? It doesn't say the pastor of the church defeats this evil world. It says every child of God has the ability to defeat this evil world. And so really the only qualifier for you really to be able to claim this verse of your own, as your own is really to be a child of God, right? And how do you become a child of God? Right? It's by making Jesus your Lord and Savior. Amen? And, and of course, if you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior, we're going to take care of that today. Amen? Amen. And so if you've made Jesus your personal Lord and Savior, you have the ability to defeat this evil world. And so when the scripture is talking about evil world, it's really talking about this evil world system. There's an evil world system that's coming against us, church. There's an evil world system that's coming against our relationships, that's coming against our finances, that's coming against our health. It's coming against us. Why? Because it has a sole agenda to steal, kill, and destroy. But the good news is that if you're a child of God, you have the ability to defeat this evil system. Amen. And the scripture says, you know, how do, how do, we, how do we defeat this evil system? You know, how do we obtain this victory? You know, NLT says we achieve this victory, how? Through our faith. And so again, um, church, faith is the secret source, right? Faith is that secret source to really living a life that is filled with victory. Amen. And so we learned last week as well, and I, I really want to, you know, just, you know, for those who weren't around, I just really want to lay, lay a foundation um, before I carry on um, 
uh, with what I want to teach. But we learned last week um, a really important um, truth. Um, we learned in Romans 12 verse 3 that God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And that's so powerful because what we began to understand from last week is that God has already given every single one of us. If you're a child of God, he's already given you faith, right? And I love that because it means we don't have to pray for faith. Right? It means we don't have to fast for faith. It means we don't have to beg God, please, 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 Lord, give me faith. Uh-uh. We already have faith. Church, you already have faith. And all you simply need to do is accept that truth and begin to exercise and begin to really activate your faith. And so right at the beginning, and I hope you remember this, right? Pastor T um, taught us, he said, there's certain ingredients that make faith work, right? There's certain ingredients that really are going to help us activate our faith. And he said, these five ingredients are this. He said, number one, it's the supremacy of the word of God, okay? And we were taught that in two, two weeks ago, right? So if you haven't had a chance to listen to those amazing, powerful teachings, please do go and check them out on our YouTube channel on Facebook, okay? You don't want to miss this, okay? The second ingredient, he said, was understanding God's love and how understanding God's love makes your faith work, okay? We're going to be talking about that in the next few weeks. The third ingredient, he says, is understanding the relationship between faith and grace, amen? The fourth ingredient is understanding that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, amen? Man, when we begin to understand our righteousness in Christ Jesus, that's going to make our faith work. And the fifth ingredient um, he shared with us is the law of confession. And so today we're going to be talking about the law of confession. Because church, one of the ingredients that make your faith work is learning how to talk right. Amen. And so today we're going to be talking about the, the power of confession, right? Note I say confession. You know, I'm not talking about affirmation. I'm not talking about, you know, positive speaking, right? Those things are good. They have their place. But we're going to be talking about confession because really God has given us, uh, really in confessing his word, a more powerful tool really to begin to activate and, and to release our faith. Okay. And that tool is what we call confession. Okay. And so the question you're probably asking is what is confession? Okay. Well, confession, the word confession comes from the Greek word homo logeo. Now homo logeo is really two words, right? It's homo, which means the same. And logeo, which means what? Which means word, okay? And so when it comes to confessing the word of God, really what we're saying is we're saying we are speaking the same thing that God is saying. Amen? And you know what makes speaking or what makes saying the same thing that God is saying in his word so powerful? It's because in Jeremiah 1 verse 12, in fact, in the Amplified Translation, it says that when we say what God says in his word, we can expect those words to come to pass. Why? Because Jeremiah 1 verse 12 says God watches over his word to perform it. You know, the scripture says God watches over his word, his word, where his word coming out of our mouth to fulfill it in our life. And man, oh man, oh man, you know, this, this, this thrills me so much, you know, because really if I, if I'm not happy with what I'm seeing in my life, right, if I'm not happy with, you know, what I'm seeing with my physical eyes um, in my life, you know, I don't have to waste my time really blaming the government. You know, if I'm not happy with what I'm seeing in my life, I don't have to waste my time blaming my parents and my upbringing, blaming my spouse, 
you know, blaming my boss, you know, blaming my, you know, the Lord for the color of my skin, for my gender. No. And I also don't need to waste time, you know, if I'm not happy with what I'm seeing in my life, I don't have to waste time really trying to come up with some clever methodology, some clever 10-step methodology to living the life of my dreams. Uh-uh. All I simply need to do, church, and man, I'm, we're going to teach you these principles. All you need to do is just get into the Word. Start putting the Word of God in your mouth and putting it, well, putting it in your heart first and putting it in your mouth over and over and over again. Amen? But, this, this, you know, here's the sad uh, truth, right? Many Christians are living um, lives of, of defeat, right? Many Christians are defeated in, in life, right? Why? Because they're believing and they're speaking the wrong things. You know, many Christians are, uh, have made it a habit, right? To speak the words of the enemy, right? To speak words of lack in their lives. To speak words of insufficiency. The inf insufficiency which, which they're seeing in their lives, right? To speak words of sickness. To speak all of those words that the enemy wants us to speak instead of elevating their circumstances, elevating their situations really to the level of God's word by saying what God is saying. Amen? And so um, Matthew 12, um, verse 37, it says this, right? Because I really want you to understand, I'm laying a foundation here, right? Before we go into some principles, right? Our words matter. You know, our words absolutely matter. And so Matthew 12, verse 37, I'm going to read in the King James. It says this, it says, for by your words, right? Your words, okay? Your own words, okay? He says, by your words, Thou shalt be justified. Now that word justified is simply a legal, it's like legal, legal terminology, right? Which, which really means acquitted, right? And, and, a, and that word acquitted simply means set free. Right. And so with the own, your own words, and I'm not talking about the words that you just speak uh, over yourself maybe once or twice. I'm speaking about the words that you speak to yourself consistently and constantly, right? By your own words. You can set yourself free. And you're wondering, set yourself free from what? Well, you can set yourself free from anything that's holding you back. Amen? And the scripture also continues and it says, For by your words, you or thou shall be condemned. Now, that word condemned is a word they use in property management in, con in construction, right? They say, you know, they condemn a building. And they say no one can really go into that building, right? And the reason why um, they condemn them, in fact, the reason why they, they, they condemn a building, um, you know, what it means to condemn a building, is really what they're doing is they're actually declaring the building unfit for use. And so the scripture, with that in mind, right, if we read the scripture, right, what the scripture is telling us, church, is that with our own words, we, we ourselves, can declare ourselves unfit for use. Man, man, sometimes we've been blaming the enemy for these things, eh? And, and it's time we started taking responsibility. You know, with our own words, we can literally disqualify ourselves from the promises of God. We can literally disqualify ourselves from manifesting and really experiencing all the promises that God has for our lives with our own words. 
you know, with our own words, you know, we, the words, again, that we speak consistently and constantly, we can literally create a life of defeat, a life of lack, a life of disappointment. And I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. I really am not, you know, because this was me. I didn't know the power of the, my words, right? And so with my words, I'd be continually speaking worry, anxiety, fear, all of that stuff. And guess what? That's what I saw in my life. Okay, but with your own words, you can make a different choice. With your own words, you can begin to speak words that are of, of victory. You can begin to speak words of prosperity. You can begin to speak words of healing and wholeness. You know, there's a scripture. It's in Proverbs 12, verse 18. Man, I came across the scripture and it changed my world, right? And then Proverbs 12, verse 18 in the BBE translation. This is what it says. It's so powerful. It says, the tongue of the wise makes one well again. Do you see that the tongue of the wise makes one well again? And so church, that's so powerful because your mouth can make you well. It truly, truly can. So our words absolutely matter, okay? I'm drumming this down because I really need you to get this. Your words matter. Words are not just some meaningless thing. In fact, the Lord showed me this. He said words are containers. You know, they're containers. And they're either carrying and releasing or activating our faith, faith into our life, or... They're containers that are either carrying and releasing fear into our lives. And man, our words matter. You know, Proverbs um, 18 verse 21. I think it's a scripture we're all very familiar with, right? Proverbs 18 verse 21. While we're going there. Do you guys remember that nursery rhyme we were taught as kids, right? It said this. It said something. It was a dumb nursery rhyme, okay? So do not teach your kids this nursery rhyme. It said something like, sticks and stones will break my bones, huh? but words will never hurt me. Nonsense. That's a lie from the very, very center of the very center of the pit of hell. Okay? Because words can harm us. Okay? Let's hear what it has to say in, in, in Proverbs 18 verse 21. It says, death and life are what? In the power of the tongue. In the power of the tongue. And it says, they that love it, in other words, they that love to talk, shall eat the fruit thereof. Amen? And so what we see is as extreme as life is from death, right? Our tongue can create both life and death in our lives. So we can speak death to our life or we can speak life to our life. The message translation puts it this way. It says this, right? So if you thought, if you thought you're probably wondering why am I being so nasty about that nursery rhyme, okay? What you're about to see in the message translation is really going to help you, okay? Message translation says words kill mic drop moment they'd really really do and it says words give life they're either poison or they're fruit you choose you choose you choose do you see that we all get to choose and one of the things we need to be choosing wisely really church is our words one of the things that we need to be choosing wisely is we need to be choosing wisely to speak words that give life to, to speak wisely uh, words that give life but also we need to be choosing words that work to our advantage and not to our disadvantage amen you know one of the best things really truly that ever happened to to me personally and, and really to us as a family was, was really getting this revelation of the power of confession right getting this revelation that if i wanted to change my life you know if i wanted to change my finances if i wanted to change my health if i wanted to change our home one thing i was absolutely going to have to do is i was going to have to change my words i was going to have to change my words you know we realized that if we wanted to win in life 
You know, if we wanted to achieve everything that God wanted us to do, to be, to have, you know, not only were we going to have to get into the Word of God, okay? It's important. That's the foundation. Get into the Word of God, right? But we were also going to have to put that Word into our heart, right? And then one thing I realized is that I was going to have to watch my mouth and really learn how to talk like God. And boy, was it a challenge for me, church. Because I know Pastor T shared, I wasn't, I, I'm not a church girl, right? I didn't grow up in church. I got born again probably in my 20s, right? And so I'd spent a lot of my life talking like the world. You know, I spent a lot of my life talking defeat, talking lack, talking disappointment like the world. And so, and so this was really a challenge to me, but I just thank God I got this revelation because now things are so different in our life. In fact, we, you know, my husband says, you know, um, you know people call me a fanatic. <laughs> you know, he's like, people are like, oh, there comes that woman. What's she going to say today? What big thing is she going to say today? What thing is she going to say that's just so impossible today, man? <laughs> now, we take our words very seriously in our house. You know, in our house, we hardly say things that we don't want to come to pass, amen? You know, uh, many years ago, I'm actually reminded of that story. Um, I overheard my then four-year-old talking to my mom in the next room. And my four-year-old starts saying to my mom, she says, Granny, and Granny says, what, Nanesi? She says, you know what? My mommy doesn't allow us to use the word can't in this house. And my mom, my mom was like, really? She's thinking, what crazy thing is this mom teaching, you know? And my daughter says, and she says, why, Manesu? And my daughter says, yeah, because if you say I can't do that thing, then you know what? You're not going to be able to do that thing. But granny, if you say I'm going to try, if you say I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, then you know what? you're going to be able to do that thing. My mom was like, huh? And I was in the next room. I was like, thank you, Jesus. I've got another fanatic in the house. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You know, this story just seems so funny. But really, um, you know, what I'm trying to get to you um, guys is a, is, a, is, a really, is a really simple truth. Man, our words are absolutely powerful. If you want to really begin to change your world, if you really want to live a life that's full of victory, full of winning, full of every good thing that God has for you, man, we need to start saying what God is saying. We need to start confessing the word of God over our lives. Amen. And so I'm going to be sharing just quickly in the last few minutes, just some simple principles, um, really, that are going to help each and every single one of us really begin to unlock what I call the limitless power of confession. Because really there's no limit to what you can begin to confess if you begin to confess the word of God. Man, God has such big plans for each and every single one of us. And he wants us to change our vocabulary. Amen. And so um, the first principle that I'm going to be sharing with you today is simply this. It's our words create our world. Our words create our world. Amen. Let's go to Hebrews 11, and we're going to read verse 3. Hebrews 11, verse 3. It says this. It says, through faith, we understand that the worlds, now that's talking about the universe, okay? That the worlds were formed. Okay, and that word formed simply means, um, framed, sorry, simply means formed or created, okay? So the scripture is saying, through faith, we understand that the universe was formed, it was created. How? By the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And so what we begin to understand in this passage of scripture is God created the entire universe, right? Everything really that exists today, 
He created it by speaking it into existence. Okay? Let's go and see another, another scripture. It's really going to help you. And that's in Psalm 33. We're going to read verses 6 to 9 in the NLT. Amen? Psalm 33, 6 to 9 in the NLT. It says this. Man, this is powerful. It says, The Lord merely spoke, and the heavens were created. It says, He breathed the word, and all the stars were born. He assigned the sea its boundaries and locked the oceans in vast reservoir. Let the world fear the Lord and let everyone stand in awe of Him. And this is where it gets really exciting. It says, For when He spoke, the world began. It says, It appeared at His command. And this is really powerful, right? Because what we begin, what these scriptures really are describing is they're describing the story of creation, right? And so we see right at the beginning, way back in time, you know, when God, God spoke, right? And we see the sun, the moon, the stars, we see the sea, we also see its boundaries, right? They, they, they began, okay? The world didn't begin by some Big Bang theory, okay? Church, let's get that right, okay? It didn't. There's no Big Bang, nothing. The world did not begin that way, right? The world began when the Lord spoke it into existence. Amen. Amen. And so some of you are probably looking at me and saying, I'm not sure about it. I'm still so fully persuaded about this Big Bang thing, okay? I want us to go to Genesis. In fact, I want us to see exactly how God created the world, right? I want us to go all the way back into time, okay? So let's go quickly to Genesis chapter 1. And we're going to read from verse 1, okay? And so, and so this is what the scripture says. It says, in the beginning... God created the heaven and the earth. And the scripture says, And the earth was without form and void. And it says, And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And so what we begin to see here is we begin to see uh, a picture really of the earth right at the beginning. And we see, you know, the earth was in disarray. You know, we see the face, the earth was in darkness. It said darkness was upon the face of the deep. In other words, there was absolute chaos on the earth, right? But what's very interesting is even in the state of chaos, even in the state of darkness and confusion, we, we, le- we come to understand that the Holy Spirit was there. He was present. He was hovering. Sounds like, you know, this is how I read the Bible. I'm, I'm, I'm talking to God, right? Sounds like, Lord, this does not make sense, okay? If the Holy Spirit was present, you know, why didn't he just fix the earth, right? Why didn't he just do something about it? And so church, I want to submit to you and we're going to see this, okay? But I believe the Holy Spirit was waiting for something to happen. You know, I I believe that the, the Holy Spirit couldn't act before something happened, right? And that something that he was waiting for, we're about to read it in verse 3, okay? And so verse 3 says this. That's Genesis 1 verse 3. Verse 3 says this. It said, and God said, let there be light. And you know what happened? And there was light. And so really what the Holy Spirit was waiting for is he was waiting for God to say something before he could spring into action. Amen? And, and why is this? Because I believe the Holy Spirit understood that God's modus operandi, you know, God's MO, really for creation, for activating his faith, is talking. You know, God speaks things into existence. And so in verse 3, we see he said, let there be light, right? And there was light. And of course, we know it doesn't end there, right? 
We know he spends the next couple of days, you know, creating everything that we really see around us, right? In fact, then I tried to count, and I counted about eight times in, the, in Genesis chapter 1, eight times, you know, we see the phrase, God said, right? And you know what we see immediately after the phrase, God say? We see that whatever God said, it just came into existence. Amen. And I always, you know, again, I like to think about these things, right? I was, I was like, Lord, why didn't you just wave your hand over the earth and make the light appear? You know, I was like, Lord, you're so big. You're so amazing, right? Surely you could have come up with something more exciting, right? Surely you could have just clicked your finger and light would have begun, right? Maybe you click your finger four times, your left finger four times, and the sun would appear, right? I thought, Lord, come on. You could have done the Wakanda thing, right? You know in Wakanda where they're like trying to steer the ship, right? And they like flip their like little fingers there and they flip the ship, they flip their fingers to the left and the ship goes to the left, right? And they flip their fingers to the right and the ship goes to the right. I was like, come on, Lord. You, surely you could have done that, right? You could have flipped your fingers to the left and light was, right? You could have flipped your fingers twice to the right and then the boom would appear, right? <laughs> I mean, Lord, come on. The Lord, surely the Lord, you know, could have thought light, Right? He could have thought in his mind, I'm thinking, right? He wasn't speaking. He could have thought, light be, and light would have appeared, right? I thought, surely, surely, surely he should have done those things, right? But that's not what happened, church, okay? Because that's not how God created it to be, right? God speaks things into existence because God's MO for creation is, is words, right? God created the world really with his words. And while I found this so fascinating, I really did, I found it so, so fascinating that God spoke things into existence. What I was really struggling with, with how does this personally apply to me, right? How, does it, how, how can I begin to really, um, you know, what, what does this mean to me? And then in my own personal study, I bumped into Genesis 1 verse 26, right? And man, it, 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 it actually changed my life, okay? So let's go there quickly, okay? And we're going to read the very first part of Genesis 1 verse 26. And this is what it says. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And so what we begin to see here is we begin to see two really interesting things. You know, the first thing we see is God said, Let us make man in our image. Now, image simply speaks of nature, right? And so when God is saying, let us make man in our image, he's literally saying, let us make man in our nature. And so now what is God's nature, right? Well, we find, and I'm going to ask you just to write these um, scriptures down. We're not going to have time to look at them, right? But in John 4 verse 24, it tells us that God's nature is a spirit. It says God is a spirit, amen? And so if we were made in his image, that means we are spirits, amen? Right? The real you, church, is a spirit. You are a spirit. You possess a soul which houses your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. Okay? So this body, this fleshly suit that you see, that's not the real you. The real you, your real nature, is a spirit. Amen? And so God carries on and he says, also, let us make man after our likeness. And likeness simply me is, simply speaks of functionality. Okay? Well, we've just read in Genesis 1, from all the way, really from verse 1 there, right? That, that, that God speaks, right? And he speaks things into existence. And so putting those two train of thoughts together, right? Not only do we see that God is a spirit, right? We also see that God speaks. In other words, church, God is a speaking spirit. And you know what that means? 
If we were made in God's image, if we were made after God's likeness, guess what that makes us to? That makes us speaking spirits too. And church, just like God, we too possess the same creative power in our mouths to begin to create our own world with our words. Amen. And so the scripture carries on. We're going to read this quite quickly, right? And it says, God then creates the first man, Adam. Okay? And then he gives Adam what we call a practice session, really to, to being a speaking spirit. Okay, so let's go quickly to Genesis 2 verse 19. And you're going to really see something that's so cool, okay? And so, so the scripture says in Genesis 2 verse 19, And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what Adam would call them. And it says, Whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Amen. And so again, I put on my, think, my imagination hat. And I like to see Adam and God, they're walking in the garden, right? And, and God starts to create all these creatures, right? And, 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 and I'm, I'm seeing the first creature he creates. He creates this huge beast of an animal, right? With a huge trunk and tusks, okay? You're probably guessing what it is, right? And he brings this ad, um, animal to Adam and he says to Adam, name it. And Adam looks at it and he says, elephant. Ah, and then God says, bingo, and then they carry on, and God creates another creature. He creates this long green creature that kind of lives in the water, that's got a long snout, snap, snap, and big sharp teeth. And he brings that animal to Adam, and he says to Adam, name it. And Adam says, crocodile. Amen. I want you to notice one thing, right? We don't hear anywhere in Scripture. No, nowhere. You can look and you can come back to me. But there's nowhere you're going to find in Scripture you know, where God starts arguing with Adam, right? Where God starts saying, no, Adam, that's not an elephant. That's a monkey. No, Adam, that's not a crocodile. That's a flamingo. <laughs> there's absolutely no Scripture you're going to find that. Why? Because the principle is simply this. Whatever Adam called it, it began, right? Whatever we call it, it becomes. Whatever we call it, it becomes. And so my question to you this morning is, what are you calling it? What are you calling yourself? What are you calling your life? What are you calling your, your, your children? What are you calling your spouse? Right? What are you calling it? Because the truth is, you are the prophet of your life. You really, really are. You don't have to wait for someone else to speak into your life. You can speak into your own life. Amen? Because whatever we call it, it becomes. And so I used to struggle with this. I used to struggle with this principle. Okay? Especially on my job. When I, when I started working in the bank as an analyst. Man, I used to call it all sorts of things. I used to tell every Tom, Dick, Harry, Harry's cats for good measure. Anyone would listen. Anyone would listen that my job was sucked, you know, that my job, there were no opportunities in my job. I'm sitting there having coffee at, you know, in the canteen. I'm like, my job sucks. You know, I have no, there are no opportunities to be promoted for me. They're not promoting me because I'm a woman. They're not promoting me because I'm young. I'm not going to be promoted because of the color of my skin. And guess what? That became, yeah, whatever you call it, it becomes. It literally became a self-fulfilling prophecy. Man, that job sucked the life out of me. And for many young years, I didn't see any opportunities come my way. Okay? And man, I knew things needed to change. 
I knew things needed to change. And I started getting into the Word of God. Man, I started finding out what the Word of God had to say about my situation. I found scriptures, right? Scriptures uh, in the Bible that said, man, if I seek the Lord, I shall not lack any good thing. And I said, man, a promotion is a good thing. Man, I shall not lack any good thing. I started finding scriptures in Ecclesiastes. I wanted my life to change, guys. If you want your life to change, you're going to have to get into the world. I found into the word. I found a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 19. And the scripture said, I could enjoy my work because work is a gift from God. And so I started meditating on those scriptures, putting those scriptures in their mouth. I'd be saying things like, uh, like, my work is good. I'd say things like, man, I enjoy work. I'd say things like, I do not lack opportunities. I do not lack abilities, right? I used to say, my work, my job is full of endless possibilities. Now, can I be honest with you? Because sometimes it's just good to keep it real, okay? While I was saying these things right at the beginning, my mind didn't agree. And my mind would say to me things like this. What are you talking about? This job sucks. Why are you lying? Stop saying that. There are no opportunities for you. You are women. You are young. Why are you saying these things? And the honest truth is that, man, I started saying, man, why am I saying these things? You know? But I was so determined for my life to change. And I started getting again into the word. And I found a scripture in Hebrews 4 verse 14. And it said this. It says, we are to hold fast our confession of faith. And the Lord said to me, do you know what that means? I said, do you know what that, that means? It means we're not just to speak the confession. But we need to be tenacious about it as well. The Lord said, you need to refuse to give up on what you're saying. You need to refuse to give up on speaking the word of God. And I refused to give up. Man, I continued to get into the word. I continued to get the word into my heart. I continued to say what God was saying about my job, about my life, about my career. And, and after months, my mind became fully persuaded. My mind began fully persuaded that work is good. It became fully persuaded that I do not lack opportunities. Man, my mind began to look forward to those confessions. My mind began to look forward to going to work. And finally, church, finally, my heart, my mind, my mouth, my words were in agreement. And that was that. I started to experience something completely different. Man, I started seeing things that, man, I'd never experienced before. You know, I used to work for a mean boss. And one of the Harrys that uh, I used to always complain about my boss to was Pastor Henry. And so, you know, as I'm confessing the word, man, I, I worked for a mean boss. And supernaturally, my boss was replaced. <laughs> it's the Lord who promotes. The scripture says God puts down one and he raises and elevates another. My boss was replaced. And he was replaced with a guy who came in in a week. He'd already promoted me to a higher corporate title in a week. He'd already promoted me to head up that team. I was young. I was a woman. I'm heading up a team with people older than me, people different color, skin color than me. Hey, and it doesn't end there because, man, the Lord is so good. When you begin to say what God is saying about your life, man, God's going to show off in your life. Amen. And so for good measure, this guy comes along and for months, he begins to motivate for an increase for me. And I got an increase, an out-of-cycle increase. Most of you know that. Most companies give increases like once a year, an annual financial year. This man gave me an out-of-cycle increase, an increase that I'd never seen before in my life. And so church, what we say matters.
what we say absolutely matters. If you want to change your world, if you want to change your world, if you want to change your world, you need to change your words. Start saying what God is saying. Amen. Amen. And the last truth I want to share with you, time flies when you're having fun. I really wish it flew this fast when we were on this thing called the assault bike, Brenda. There's this bike in the gym, right? And you're riding on this thing and you're like pulling the paddles and stuff like that. And they say, ride for 12 minutes, right? You're pulling on this thing. You're sweating. You're breathing hard. <gasps> you look at the clock. You've only been riding for two seconds. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Time flies when you're having fun. It doesn't fly when you're on the bike in the gym, when you're on the treadmill in the gym. Mark 11. Let's go to Mark 11. So the principle, the last principle I want to share with you is you can have what you say. Okay? You can have what you say. Mark 11. Let's go to verse 11. And we're going to read. No, actually, let me paraphrase it. We'll start reading in verse 14. Okay? But what happens here is Jesus is walking to, with his disciples, right? And, and they come to really a town called Bethany. Jesus is hungry, right? And so he sees this fig tree far off, right? And he goes to the fig tree hoping that, man, this fig tree will have some, some fruit for him to eat, right? He gets there and he finds there's absolutely nothing, nothing on, that, on that tree, right? And so it's with this context in mind that we come to verse 14, right? And the scripture in verse 14 says this. It says, and Jesus answered and said unto it, right? He says, no man eat fruit of thee forever, hereafter forever. And the scripture says, and his disciples heard it. Right? This is really interesting, right? Because in, in the King James, it, said, it, it says, Jesus uh, answered and said to it. In other words, Jesus answered and he spoke to a tree. Okay? And in the NKJV, it says this. It says, in response, Jesus said to it. Do you know why Jesus needed to respond? Do you know why he needed to respond? Because the tree had said something to him. Man, this is, a, this is something we all need to understand. Church, things speak. Things are speaking to us all the time. You know, sometimes the thing that's speaking to us is our bank account. Our bank account can speak, okay? In fact, uh, P.T. shared a testimony. <laughs> I don't know why I don't understand. But P.T. shared a testimony, or a story, really, the other day, where he said, you know, our good friends, Ashley and Kylie, um, they were really believing the Lord for um, the new HQ to be debt-free, right? And so the Lord had told them to believe him for 300 partners who'd give $1,000, U.S. dollars each, right? And so, you know, when we heard this, the Lord started stirring us up in both of us, our hearts up, right? And we just knew we were going to be among those 300, right? And so we're happy, we're excited. I'm personally, you know, logging on to the bank account. We're about to do this. And the bank account starts to speak. And you know what it said? This is gonna, this is gonna, it's, this is funny. The bank account started to say to me, specifically, it said, it said, um, God wasn't talking to us, us. You know, all of a sudden now we're in the marriage with the bank account, right? It says, God's not speaking to us, right? It says, it says, we, we are Africans. We can't possibly be one of the 300. Okay, so things, things are always speaking to us. Sometimes the thing that speaks to you is your body. Your body can talk. And so when things speak to us, we really need to learn how to respond. Okay? And so the scripture said, Jesus answered and said to it. In other words, Jesus spoke back. Right? And you're probably wondering what happened to that story when the bank account was speaking to me. Right? <laughs> and so the bank accounts were speaking. Right? And you know what I did? I answered and said to it. This is what I say. Guys, PT, PT says I'm a fanatic. Right? I speak. I speak back. I said to this bank account, I said, no, 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 nobody. 
I said, no one gave you permission to speak. I said, if God said it, that absolutely settles it. We're doing this. And you know what? We did the transfer. Man, things are always speaking to us, right? Things are always absolutely speaking to us, right? And most times they speak to us because they're trying to pressurize us into abandoning the things God had to- has told us to do. And when they speak to you, it's not the time to be silent. We need to speak back. And so the scripture says, Jesus, Jesus, he spoke back, right? He spoke back to the tree. And you know what happened next, right? When he spoke back to the tree. Absolutely nothing changed in the physical, right? Nothing. In fact, the scripture says he, you know, he spoke back to that tree and he walked off, right? Jesus is kind of gangster. He walks off. You know, he doesn't try to negotiate with that tree. You know, he doesn't try to like convince his disciples, you know, of the power of confession. It's going to work. It's going to work. It's no, 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 no. Jesus knew the power of his words. Jesus knew that once he'd spoken it, he was activating his faith. His words were now in operation and his word was going to work. Amen. And so well, let's see what happens next. Mark 11 verse 20. Really as we close. It says, and in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up. How? By the roots. Right? And so, I mean, this is really powerful because 24 hours after Jesus has spoken, right? They come back and they see the very same tree. But this time, the tree was dried up from the root. I believe what was really happening is he had the fig tree was so dead. It was so dry that this tree had literally fallen over. And these roots were exposed above the ground for every single person to see. And the disciples were astonished. You know, because 24 hours earlier, when Jesus spoke to them, they probably thought, Jesus, now you've lost it. You're speaking to a tree. Jesus spoke to this tree. And when he spoke to the tree, he walked off and he walked off and nothing had changed in the physical, right? This is where so many of us get tripped up, church. And this is probably where I'm going to end. This is really where so many people get tripped up. You know, we have people that come to us and they say, you know what? I prayed for the sick, you know, I, I, I spoke life into, into their body, and, and, and when, when I left, nothing had changed. And, and the question that we always ask them back in response is, how do you know nothing changed eight hours after you left? You know, how do you know nothing changed 12 hours, 24 hours, 72 hours after you left? You see where we get tripped up in our faith? When we walk by sight. When we walk by our physical senses and not by faith. You know, faith knows that once I have spoken, once I have said it, my faith is now in operation. My faith, my words are going to work. Amen. And so the scripture carries on and says, And Peter, calling to remembrance, said unto him, Master, behold the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered, said, have faith in God. You know, other uh, scholars believe the more accurate translation is have the God kind of faith. And so Jesus begins to explain how this God kind of faith can be activated in our life. How we begin to put this God kind of faith to work in our lives. And he does this by pointing to a tree, right? And so we, go, we see in verse 23, that's Mark 11 verse 23. Jesus says to his disciples, he said, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he says. And this is powerful. Because really what Jesus is telling his disciples to do 
is he's telling them to talk to the mountain. Now, I believe anything that, 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 that stands between you and the promises of God manifesting in your life is a mountain, right? It's an, a mountain is an obstacle, right? In fact, I go as far to say any problem that dares to challenge the promises of God from manifesting in your life is a mountain, right? And, and, and you know why Jesus told them that they could speak to the mountain? Why we can speak to the mountain in our lives is because God has given us all the authority. He really has. He's given us all the authority to speak to our mountains, right? God has also given us the faith, the God kind of faith. And that faith, church, is a mountain-moving faith. Amen? And so how do, we, how do we begin to activate that mountain-moving faith? It's really simple. And the principle that Jesus is trying to illustrate in Mark 11, verse 23, is we activate that faith. We begin to put that mountain-moving faith by speaking, by talking to the mountain and directing our words to the mountain. And so for those writing down notes, I want you to write this down because this is really going to bless you. Our faith is voice activated. Okay? Our faith is voice activated. Right? In other words, what I mean by this is faith. What we believe is released. It's put into action. How? By speaking. Church, your faith cannot be silent. Your faith must have a voice. Your faith must speak because faith always speaks. And so when it comes to the mountains in our lives, when it comes to the problems in our lives, the challenges in our lives, we release our faith to move those mountains. We release our faith to get rid of those problems. How? By speaking and directing our words to the mountain. Amen. Amen. And so he says, speak back. Speak. Right? And he says, he tells them what to speak. He says, be thou removed. In other words, we can tell our problems to go. We can tell the mountain of sickness to go. Amen. Amen. And then he also says, be thou cast into the sea. In other words, really what, what, what Jesus is saying is he's saying, not only can we tell our mountains to go, we can tell them to never come back again. Amen. And then he says, and he ends off that powerful scripture. He says, whosoever shall say, he shall have whatsoever he says. Amen. Amen. And so as we close, I'm going to ask Mashi to come up. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. In the NIV it says this. It says, we having the same spirit of faith. The same spirit of faith. You see, faith is, is never the problem in receiving the things of God. Amen? We have the same spirit of faith. And we have the same spirit of faith that the disciples of old, the saints of old had. We have the same spirit of faith, you know, that Apostle Paul had. We have the same spirit of faith that Jesus has. We have the same spirit of faith, the God kind of faith. And so the question we need to ask is how do we, how do we really begin to activate that faith? How do we begin to really demonstrate that faith? And the scripture says this, it says, According as it is written, I believed. Therefore, have I spoken. Amen. And so I want us to all look up because I want us to read that very last part of that scripture. Oh, is it not up? Okay. But I'll read it for you. That's 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 in the NIV. That very last part says this. And man, this should be, if there's nothing else you remember uh, from today, this is something that absolutely, man, please remember this, okay? The very last part of 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13 in the NIV, it says this. It says, we also believe and therefore speak. And so church, the Christian life is really simple. And it really can be summarized into these three phrases. Believe it, speak it, have it. 
Amen. Why don't we get up on our feet? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Mark 11 verse 23 says that we must talk to the mountain. Amen. We must talk to the mountain. And maybe, maybe today the mountain in your life is a mountain of sickness. Amen. It's time. It's time to start speaking to the mountain. Amen. It's time to start talking to the mountain. Amen. And so we're going to start, we're going to make these um, declarations. We're going to make these confessions um, this morning. Amen. But I want to encourage you, this should not be something you do on a Sunday. Man, speaking the word of God should be your lifestyle. Man, we said faith is a lifestyle. Speaking the word of God over your life, over yourself, should be your lifestyle. Amen. Amen. Someone say this. Someone say, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. Therefore, I forbid any sickness or disease to come upon this body. Every disease every germ every virus that dares to touch my body dies instantly in the name of jesus every organ every tissue in my body in my body functions in the perfection to which god created it to function and i forbid any more malfunction in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus and maybe this morning your mountain is a mountain of financial challenges we can speak to that mountain amen someone say I am a generous person therefore I do not lack ability I do not lack opportunity money comes to me that's a fact that's a truth Come on, let's say it again. Money comes to me. Ideas come to me. New streams of income come to me. In Jesus' name. I am the redeemed of the Lord. Whatever I say is so. I have said it and it is so. Why don't we give Jesus a big shout of praise? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.